Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, lawsuits are in the news. Hyatt Hotels is facing a suit over, you guessed it, resort and other creative fees. Meanwhile, Spirit Airlines reached a settlement in a suit involving, you'll never believe this, deceptive carry-on bag fees. No, not Spirit Airlines. No, they would not never, Spirit never, Airlines. never do such a thing. No, they'd never do that. No, those stories are next in the news. <laughs> when you should buy air tickets for the holiday travel? When would that be? Well, we have some answers in our Smarter Traveler segment at 3:20. September is the month they crush the grapes. No wonder there are special wine-related events all over the valley. We'll have an update at 3:35. New York City is cracking down on short-term rentals. And Beyonce and Taylor Swift both had big concert tours this summer. We'll tell you how they compare by the numbers. And our odds and ends coming up at 3.50. This is the place for fun and educational travel information. Welcome to the last Sunday edition of the Travel Guys. On the road again. Welcome again to another edition, or should I say the last edition, of the Sunday edition of the Travel Guys <laughs> here on KFBK and iHeartMedia and all of that. I don't want to frighten anybody who thinks that we're going away. We're only moving. Mark, are you ready to move? Are you are you packed? You're not, le- listeners, you're not that lucky. We're not going away. We're just moving. So, you know, it's like the bad neighbor you heard they were moving, and then you found out they're moving across the street. So, <laughs> um, yes, the travel guys will be heard next Saturday morning, beginning at eleven o'clock a.m. And every Saturday after that, of course, um, about forty percent of our audience are people who listen to us on our podcast after it comes out the first part of the week. So for you, it won't matter because the podcast will still come out on Monday, and you'll still be able to listen to it. Sans. Commercials and news breaks and all of that kind of jazz anytime that you that you wish. But for those of you who like to catch us live, we will be live on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock starting next week. And uh, in the long run, I, I hope that uh, it accommodates the people. It is a better time for for you. You won't have to deal with, you know, fighting your Mother's Day event to be listening to the travel guys. I, yeah. I, I know people would specifically have to tell their mothers, I'm sorry, I'm busy between three and four. Uh, there were people who missed parts of the Super Bowl. They would yeah. say, uh, wow. you know, I'm sorry, my friends. I know I invited you over for the Super Bowl, but uh, we, uh, I got to go listen to the travel. I didn't think about that. We're, we're, we've, we now have ditched Mother's and Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And Super Bowl Sunday, mm-hmm. so things that are always held on Sundays, we won't have to have to worry about. And Christmas yeah. and New Year's are on Mondays this year, so we would have missed absolutely. It and then those that like to do the afternoon church thing on Sundays, mm-hmm. here again, you're free to do what you need to do. You're just. But we'll free. see you next Saturday. Tell your friends and neighbors. Go knock on some doors. 11 a.m. Uh, this 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 coming Saturday. All righty, we have a 
fun show lined up, so let's uh, get to it, as we always do at the top of uh, every Travel Guys radio show. We bring you up to date on the travel news. And with it, here's Mark. Well, you know, one of our buddies here on the Travel Guys is a gentleman that runs Travelers United in Washington, D.C. He's uh, very much, we're kind of into advocacy groups here. Chris Elliott is a good friend of ours, and um, Chris has been writing a newspaper column forever. Of course, it doesn't appear in the B anymore, but you don't need him in the B because he's here on the Travel Guys. Um, and Charlie Leoka from Travelers United in Washington is always pounding his head against the wall on something, usually on something that seems like there's no possible chance he can ever win. And it's very surprising. He probably wins a third of his battles, and the uh, and some of the ones that he loses, he's he makes progress on towards winning in a future. At a future day and time. Anyways, I only say this because the first headline here is Hyatt Hotels facing lawsuit over hidden fees. And when you start reading this lawsuit and you find out who brought it, it's brought by Travelers United Chief Legal Officer Lauren Wolf is the commentator for it. And um, so they just say this lawsuit will show that hotels violate the law when they charge resort fees without including them in the advertised price. American consumers are sick and tired of corporations taking advantage of them with relentless junk fees. Can I hear an amen from the assembly? Amen. On, On that one. We are tired of businesses that throw fees at us that we weren't expecting that offer no value and are total junk. Good luck to Charlie and his gang. I'm sure we will have him back on the program as soon as there is some progress on that. These things tend to get drug out because, of course, it's to the advantage of the people who are putting the screws to the consumers to drag these things out as long as possible because you can keep putting the screws to us in the meantime. So good luck to Charlie and his gang. Speaking of lawsuits, Spirit Airlines, says the headline, reaches settlement in deceptive carry-on bag fee case. This comes um, um, from our friends at Travel Pulse. Spirit has agreed to pay up to $8.25 million to settle a lawsuit brought by passengers deceived by carry-on fees. Uh, they say when they book their tickets through third-party websites, such as it's Expedia, Travelocity, Cheap Air, and more, they weren't made aware of what the carry-on bag fees were going to be. So they thought that they were buying, and here, back to Charlie's point again, about, you know, putting the airfare out in front. They thought they were buying a $19 airfare, got to the airport and found out that, well, that carry-on you have is not a free carry-on, but it's a 30 or 40 or $50 carry-on, check bag, etc., and suddenly your cheap airfare has gotten a lot more expensive. Now, you said that uh, they were people were buying uh, Spirit airline tickets from a, third-party vendor yes wouldn't the third-party vendor also be named in the lawsuit uh, uh or, or deceptive be... deceptive selling or whatever that's so valid let's see lawyers representing passengers impacted by spirits deceptive fees between uh 2011 2017 asked the brooklyn federal judge hearing the case to approve the proposed settlement deal this is not a loss for spirit this is them agreeing without admitting any fault of course that right. they will pay um, this this fee because mm-hmm. of these deceptive practices. So I have to believe that what may have happened is the way fares were posted on these third-party sites 
did was didn't reveal what the uh, extra charges were going to be for some of these things that are normally free on other carriers. As we know, people like Spirit and Frontier, if you're going to go out to the airport carrying what you can hold in your hand as a small carry-on, get on the plane, you don't care if you sit in a middle seat or not, um, you can travel really cheap. But if you want to get a reserve seat and check a bag and have a carry-on and all of these other things, then you're suddenly going to find out that your fare is probably more than what you would have paid on Southwest and comparable to what you would pay on on Delta United American, etc. So my guess is that when people book these tickets, because this is a, a rather short article here, it's only six paragraphs, my guess, Tom, is that when they booked Spirit on these third-party websites, the fees were not as well exposed to the or, or revealed to them and that that wasn't necessarily the website's fault it was the way spirit loaded their product onto the website just a got guess. it to well, your, to right. your question. well good it's a small victory there yeah uh nasa is uh taking commercial aviation one step closer to bringing us back supersonic passenger planes years ago um, we had supersonic planes that flew across the Atlantic Ocean. You might. We had a couple oh, of yeah. groups that that traveled on them. Um, so NASA says that it's very possible that we are going to see. Uh, and of course, supersonic travel is about is up to four times faster. So it would turn. It could turn a trip from across the Atlantic Ocean to as little as an hour and a half to two hours. So, boy, don't think that that wouldn't cause a travel boom uh, for between Europe and the United States and other places, too, for that matter. But anyways, we'll keep an eye on that. NASA says that um, recent testing has brought them closer to the day when supersonic air travel will be available for more than just pilots. The FAA, speaking of, of pilots, and here's something kind of important reached an important air traffic controller hiring goal. They uh, t- were hoping to hire 1,500 air traffic controllers this year, and they have indeed done so. So they are. it doesn't mean they're going to stop, but it means that this air traffic controller shortage, which has plagued the airlines, particularly at East Coast airports, is becoming a little bit less of an issue. Um, here's something that, whoops, we didn't plan for you guys to find out about this. It really wasn't a good week for Spirit Airlines. Um, they're hoping... JetBlue is hoping to buy Spirit in a merger that may or may not be approved. Last week, a story leaked out that alleged that JetBlue plans to raise Spirit's fares if they merge. So that you, you know, it's funny. Every time there's a merger between two corporate entities, they always come out and somehow try to spin it that this will be good for consumers, that this will create more competition and lower prices and everyone will benefit, which, of course, is a pile of baloney because when there, when two companies merge, there's less competition. The reason they're merging is to eliminate some of the competition. <laughs> the reason that, that JetBlue doesn't want Spirit laying around is because it's hard to get good fares when Spirit is competing with you in a market. So naturally, if they absorb Spirit, naturally they're going to raise the fares. Now they just got caught by somebody actually saying it so whether or not this will have an impact on their ability to be able to merge the two airlines together is anybody's guess and did you see tom um during the the lousy weather um last week an alaska a 737 slammed down to the runway um late in the evening in orange county 
And actually, the this. yeah, it damaged the wing. Um, the aircraft uh, didn't make it to the gate. They had to come out and get people off the plane uh, with air stairs and the like. So uh, that was Sunday, August the 27th, so a week ago. It was only a 15-year-old aircraft um, going from Seattle to Orange County and slammed down onto the runway about 11.15 at night, um, which is kind of interesting because the airport has a 10 p.m. curfew. So they must have, during the uh, bad weather, they must have made some exceptions. But anyway, trying to sneak in another flight during lousy weather last weekend and uh, damaged an airplane pretty badly. Anyways, that is your travel news for today. Here we are on our final Sunday radio program. But never fear, we'll be back next week at our new time, 11 a.m. on Saturdays. And if uh, pretty accurate on this, we'll be following uh, Pat and... Uh, and uh, Pat and, uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, Hanson McLean. Hanson McLean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we do now, but, uh, it, it's, a, it's a rerun Either. of their Saturday program. So we'll be, we'll be up in the first run. We're getting a, we're getting a promotion. You, you started off the segment by, uh, um, saying, hey there, you know, and I was, you know, uh, what, what are you doing? I almost answered you and said, hey, I'm doing a radio show. Uh, leave me alone. But then I realized it was you talking. Um, listen, we got a, an important story here. It's the time of the year when folks who are going out for the holidays start thinking about, you know, I probably should start looking at the price of airline tickets and seeing because, you know, as it gets closer, obviously the fares go up as supply gets tighter. So when do you buy the ticket? Because we've heard from more than one place, and I can attest to this, we buy at Sports Leisure Vacations, we buy a lot of airline tickets and for our groups. And we find sometimes that when the air, everybody except Southwest puts airline tickets on sale 11 months ahead of time. Southwest runs about seven, eight months ahead. They play by a, a different they, – they play by their own set of rules. But most airlines put them out 11 months ahead of time. And sometimes the fares that are out there 10 or 11 months ahead are kind of feeler fares. And the airlines themselves admit this, that what they're trying to do is see, well, you know, let's see, could we get $600 on this route? Maybe we can. And they will know after having the f- tickets out there for a few months based on previous sales on that same route for the same time period whether that fare is going to stick or not. They'll also know based on how much competition they have. Maybe six months before the flight you want to take is going to go, a new airline starts serving that same city pair, so that causes the fares to drop. Or an airline that was serving those two cities pulls out, that causes the fares to go up. So... Um, our friend Mia Taylor, who uh, works at Travel Pulse and has been a guest on the Travel Guys, went and did some research, and her article revealed some really interesting information that I thought might be of help to you. And I will tell you that if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you can find a link to this article, which has all of this information that I'm going to spew to you in the next few minutes here. And if you want to be able to have it so that you can look at it, TravelGuysRadio.com, you will find a link to buying holiday airfares. Okay, Thanksgiving this year. The good news, Mia says, is that the day before Thanksgiving, which is traditionally a much higher day, is proving to be equal in line with other high Thanksgiving days. So you can fly the day before and not get skewered as badly as you would. As in years past, the holiday itself is the best day to fly. And the day after Thanksgiving is also a good day to fly. Mia says 
that Thanksgiving Day will save you about $63 a ticket. And by comparison, a flight of the day after Thanksgiving will save you about $100 over what tickets will cost Saturday, Sunday, and Monday of Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, the highest day is going to be Monday before Thanksgiving. So if you are looking for the best deal, you might look at Sunday before Thanksgiving and coming back on Thanksgiving night, which most people won't want to do, or on Friday. Or if you're just going for a quick trip and you don't have a lot of money to spend, pick an early flight Thanksgiving morning that might get you there in time for family festivities and then turn around and come back on Friday. Anyway, for Thanksgiving, uh, best time to fly outbound Sunday, Monday, best time to return um, or, or Thanksgiving Day, best time to return Thursday or Friday. For Christmas, which is on a Monday this year, Christmas Eve is your best bet. Um, you could save about $100 over what tickets will cost on other days if you fly Christmas Eve. Also, Christmas Day, again, is a rather inexpensive time to travel. So depending on your distance, you could make, get a, catch a Christmas Day flight and still be uh, with your family and friends for part of Christmas Day. The priciest day to fly for Christmas this year is going to be the Friday and Saturday before the Monday holiday. That makes perfect sense. Um, tickets are going to be ridiculous Friday and Saturday before Christmas. New Year's is also on a Monday, so that means that Friday and Saturday will be high days. New Year's will be an extremely cheap day to fly, and the day after New Year's, because it's a Tuesday, will not be as high as in days past. So there are some tips on holiday airfares. Um, the holiday itself once again, is always the best day to fly. So if you can arrange your schedule so that you're flying Thanksgiving, Christmas, or New Year's, that will save you some money. And if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you can see this article by Mia, which has all of the information of what she has determined are the cheapest days to fly um, based on Travelocity, Cheapo Air, and some other places. Those will change, of course, as time goes on. Now there's one other quick thing I wanted to talk about to make you a smarter traveler here before we go. Tom, have you heard of the ride sharing vomit scam? Yeah, we uh, we did a we did a bit on that one uh oh uh, some months ago. Uh yep. I think there was somebody this had occurred to them uh this particular scam and uh we talked about it then. So I heard it on the radio. Chris Elliott says that he has gotten several complaints. Chris is a real good gauge for these things when they pop back up because people tend to, when they think they're getting skewered, they, they tend to turn to people like Chris. So when he sees a volley of complaints about the same type of issue, then he knows to go out and alert people again. And so, yes, the, the ride-sharing vomit scam appears to be back. This is the way it works. Um, you take an Uber or a Lyft somewhere or any type of ride-share. You get out of the ride. Everything seems to have gone fine. And then within a day or two on your account, appears a charge for cleaning. Um, in this gentleman's case in Scarsdale, New York, it was 80 bucks, And it showed a rather vague picture of um, what looked like uh, something that had been inside, inside of a human body and wasn't anymore on a plastic <laughs> floor mat on the seat of the car. And, um, of course, the guy said, hey, I didn't vomit in the car. This doesn't even even look like the same car. Um, the, the He asked for some details on the picture. He got pretty much ignored by Lyft until Chris's people got involved and got him his 80 bucks back. 
So Chris says, you know, what's the bottom line to all of this? Well, um, it's unfortunate to say, but his suggestion is that just like when we've talked about you get a rental car, you know, when you take it back, no matter if there's somebody there to check you in or not, you take a couple pictures of the inside and outside of the car just to show that everything was fine because your phone time dates the pictures. Chris's suggestion is that if you're doing a ride share, when you get in the car or when you get out of the car, getting ready to get out, just snap a picture or when you get in, snap a picture of the interior of the car, particularly concentrating on the floor and the seat so that you can show that nothing, you know, a, a drink didn't get spilled, you didn't vomit in the car, there wasn't any reason for you to be charged any type of, a necess- of an unnecessary cleaning fee. He says this is unfortunate, but it's an example of the world we live in. So I think from now on I will take his wisdom. and Because you never expect these things to happen, Tom, until they happen. And then you're, you know, then you got to prove advice. that you were you were the guy that didn't do it. Yeah, you know, I was in Vegas a uh, week week ago, uh, a little more than that, and uh, we did a lot of uh, Uber and Lyft ride sharing. And never once did I remember that particular situation or take a picture. And of all the places that you might want to kind of like do that, might be uh, might be Vegas. Yeah, well, you know, and I, I, I used a lot of, I was up in Seattle a few weeks ago without a rental car, so I used a lot of, uh, we had a Lyft credit that the Convention and Visitors Bureau had given us, and so uh, we were using a lot of Lyft vehicles. I had all very courteous drivers and never had any issues, but, um, you know, I guess not everybody is, not everybody in the world is legit, um, so not a, not a bad piece of wisdom by our uh, our friend Chris. Hey, speaking of being a smarter traveler, um, next weekend, um, Clayton Whitehead is going to join us to talk a little bit about international travel. Excellent. All right. As most folks know, well, most adults anyway, that enjoy a good wine, they realize that uh, this California and this northern California region is uh, is big on wine. So September is a special month for the winemaker. So we decided to bring on our uh, guest, Gino DeCaro, who is the spokesperson for the Wine Institute. And you probably know Wine Institute is uh, there to educate the public about California wines. And September is a special month. It's the 19th annual California Wine Month. And we thought we'd bring Gino on to talk about the events that are happening nearby and the surrounding areas. Gino, thanks so much for joining us here on The Travel Guys. Tom and Mark, thank you so much for having us on the show. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. And, and as you said, it's uh, it's the 19th annual California Wine Month, and, and we couldn't be more excited at uh, Wine Institute and Discover California Wines. Uh, this, of course, in September and October is harvest time, so September has always been the perfect month for um, the industry in California to set up events across the state for visitors and wine purveyors to travel to wineries and, and local festivals and really um, really celebrate the uh, industry's wine, the people, and the regions. Um, the wine industry in California has about 6,200 wineries that produce 81% of the country's wine. So uh, there's more than 100 grape varietals, and uh, there's lots to celebrate at the more than 70 events up and down California in September. Gino, let me ask you before we talk about a couple of those events, um, what impact did the the strange weather last winter have on uh, or do we know yet, or will we not know that for for a couple of three years? Or is this expected to be a, a a good wine year, a poor wine year? Does a does a lot of rain? How does that impact the harvest? 
Yeah, it's a great question. In fact, um, most of what we're hearing from the wineries up and down the state is that the um, the wet weather actually uh, was a um, had a positive impact on most of the vineyards. They say some of the um, the uh, the yield will be a little bit lower, but the quality is is going to be um, is going to be really really good, especially because of the wet weather. Uh, Gino, I was going to ask you. Everybody's been thinking about all the all the fires and all the smoke over the last several years in California. Is there any discernible taste differences? How how is those how are those wines coming out? Um, so that's something that's better asked of the particular wineries in terms of that vintage and uh, any smoke exposure. Now, there are, there are a ton of special events, and I will mention to folks who are listening, if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, we will have a link that will take you um, to a, a website that will where you can find out information on all of the events that are scheduled all over the wine country. We're going to talk about a couple of them here. Gino, the Lodi Grape Festival is probably the biggest and maybe one of the best known. I'm sure there are lots of people listening who have been to it. It's September the 14th through the 17th in Lodi. And one of the, the things that you've highlighted for me here is that um, this would be a great place if you wanted to take your family because they have a big carnival on site. So a great place for um, if you're taking kids. Absolutely. It's a very, very friendly, um, um, family-friendly event. In fact, tickets start at $8 for, for kids to, to $12 for adults. In fact, kids that are 16 years and under uh, get in free on Thursday, September 14th, the first day of the event. But the, the event is one of the largest that's going on during California Wine Month. It usually is. Um, as you said, they've got incredible food vendors. They've got great paintings, uh, wonderful exhibits, a massive carnival, and, of course, um, wine tastings that, that include beautiful samples of their old vine Zinfandels, for for which the region is um, is so very very famous. What's what's an old vine Zinfandel? It's a very um, cherry and strawberry and intense grape um, in California for for quite some time. Um, it's got uh, high acid, very low tannin, um, and it's just a beautiful wine that's pairable with uh, with um, quite a few different um, quite a few different uh, different meals. Gino, a second special event here that I wanted to touch on is something also close to home. This is up in the Amador County region. Um, it's on September the 9th in Plymouth at one of the wineries. Um, and it, it it's particularly highlights a, a red wine. Tell us a little bit about that one. Yes, it's a one-day celebration at uh, Terra de Oro Winery in Plymouth, a uh, winery that focuses on Barbera, Barbera wines. Um, the event itself will actually host about 50 Barbera-focused wineries from all over California. The setting is certainly nestled in the, the Sierra foothills, and it's beautiful. Um, there's about 200 acres of Barbera grapes planted in Amador County. In fact, the, the county is home to the godfather of, um, of Barbera a guy by the name of Dick Cooper, who introduced the region to the grape in the 1970s, actually. Um, visitors can certainly enjoy rich flavors of Barbera. One with really, really good acid, low tannins, another one with a lot of a lot of fruit, cherry and strawberry, and um, pairs really, um, it, they'll be able to pair it there at the event with um, with some gourmet food from, from a host of, of top chefs. Probably the strongest in terms of, of flavors, of any of the red wines, for, so so folks who enjoy a Cabernet that has real strong flavors might be folks who would enjoy a Barbera, perhaps. 
That, that's a good question, and it, it's definitely strong, but it's a little. It's going to be a lot smoother without the tannins um, than a Cabernet. But you're going to get some of those real rich flavors from. And uh, there's Barberas that have been planted all planted all over California, and really, um, these these vintners are, are doing some some beautiful things with these um, with this grape. Gino DeCaro is with the Wine Institute. Um, they are coming up on California Wine Month in September. There are special events, celebrations, festivals, stomps, anything, you, any trouble you would want to get into all over the place. If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you will find a link to all of the activities that Discover California Wines has around the region in the month of September. Gino, thanks for joining us today and giving us a little bit of an update. Um, Good luck with stomping season. Thank you so much, Mark and Tom. I really appreciate your time. A quick reminder, um, when we do our podcasts, we post it at TravelGuysRadio.com. Caitlin helps put it up on uh, the KFBK website, and in there it's repurposed for on iHeartRadio. If you have the iHeartRadio app and you anywhere uh, search for the Travel Guys, you'll find it, and you can enjoy it there either on a replay or a live on uh, coming up next week on our new time slot of Saturdays at 11 a.m. So anyway, uh, Mark, uh, before we get started, uh, I want to just kind of reference the interview we just finished up a while ago. You know, there are a lot of people that are extremely uh, jealous of us that live in the Northern California region, certainly Sacramento, because we are closest to some of the best wine, uh, wine country, wine tasting, uh, vineyards, and and so forth in in the world. Uh, And uh, if you are a enjoyer of of fine wines... uh, like I say, this is a uh, a fabulous uh, place to live, and, uh, I don't and if know, you, it doesn't, if, doesn't get any better. If you like fine wine, this is definitely definitely your month because if you go, there's a link at TravelGuysRadio.com to all of the winery events and stuff like that, and there are a lot of them all over the valley. So, I mean, if you're a wino, you'll be drunk the whole month. Um, <laughs> but there there are activities and things, wine tastings and special events and festivals and just fun things to do uh, you're right tom we are literally you know the funny thing was years ago the wine country was always considered to be napa sonoma and then some folks started growing wine grapes up in the sierra foothills and found out that that all worked very well and so now we've really got um two wine regions and then there's all the folks down in the lodi area down by the river who aren't really part of napa sonoma and they're not really part of the foothills either so um, and then you've got vineyards scattered all over the place. So, yeah, th- this is – if you like fine wines, especially that Barbera wine that he was was talking about is really – if you like red wines uh, and you've never tried that, that's something that you should give a, a, a shot if you're somebody who likes really bold taste in wines. If you've been uh, – well, Rancho Seco, people – most everybody knows what particular part of – northern california the rancho seco power plant is if you haven't been out in that area in a number of years you would be totally amazed at how many vineyards are grown in that huge area there and if you go down grant line road from let's say highway 99 and head east you will see just just miles and miles of grapes on the right hand side of the road and they have the they actually have signs that will tell you what particular winery 
uh, those grapes are dedicated to. So you'll see some Zinfandels and, and so forth, and it'll have a sign that tells you what particular winery will be harvesting and uh, processing those grapes into into great wine. Lots All right, we, we promised folks we were going to uh, talk about New York City cracking down on short-term rentals and a couple of other subjects. So let's get started in our last segment here on our Sunday show. Um, this is, Tom, this is kind of interesting because this is the first time that a major city has tried to do something. This is going to go into effect September the 5th. Um, it's called New York City's Short-Term Rental Registration Law. And basically, I've spent a lot of time reading up on this over the last few days here because I really didn't understand it when it, when it was first presented to me. But basically, here is the deal. If you live in New York City and, uh, and you want to rent out your space, you know, to, as a uh, Airbnb or something like that, you have to live um, – it has to be a Class B dwelling. And in order to be a Class B dwelling, you have to live there. And, Airbnb, and, and what New York City is now saying, if you want to rent this out, that's fine. You have to be there. So that really changes the game dramatically. Instead of being able to rent your place out while you disappear for the weekend and get some bucks, New York City is saying now – that you have to be there. So now you could rent out a room, I suppose, but not too many people are going to be interested conceptually, I don't think, in that sort of a thing. So what they're basically doing is saying that this is going to shut down a lot of people, if it's enforced, who rent out um, their, their place where they live in New York City. They're not going to be able to do that anymore. That's the simplified version of this. Um, mm-hmm. You can go online and read um, about how you can – in New York City, I mean, obviously, we're a long ways away from New York City. But I'm guessing that there are people who are listening to us right now who vacation in New York City and perhaps use Airbnb or VRBO or some other um, sharing rental sharing platform in order to be able to save money in New York City. So we'll see how this works. But as it appears on the surface – it appears that it would apply to probably about 80% of the short-term rental, vacation rentals that are being offered in New York City. So um, we'll see what happens. But that could be a dramatic change, not only for New York City, but for people in other places. And remember, Tom, it's so expensive to live in New York, San Francisco, uh, places downtown Chicago, places like that, that in many cases the way people can afford to live there is because – They've got this gig where they can rent out their place three, four, five, six, seven days a, a month when they're not going to be there and offset the cost of, of living for them. So it'll be interesting to see and also whether or not this will spread to other places. And like I said, if it's not enforced, then it won't make any difference. So people will do whatever they want, but we'll see if New York City decides to enforce it or not. Have you ever stayed on Airbnb, Tom? Oh, Yes. Uh, a, a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. I found uh, my best experience with an Airbnb was in uh, some a few Christmases ago. In fact, I think it was Christmas maybe 2019 in San Antonio. Uh, found a fabulous home rented by uh, by the by the person who owned it. 
uh, family member was the, I think there's a term, what are they, uh, uh, basically they're, they're responsible for making sure that, it, that you're taken care of, and a super host okay. uh, is what they're referred to as, and uh, it was tremendous. I mean, it was, it was like being at home, had a huge backyard, uh, fabulous kitchen, cooked our meals, we celebrated Christmas there, put up a tree, and uh, you know, uh, it was it was just very easy peasy to overuse a overused phrase. But uh, mm-hmm. and I, I would do it again here again, though. Uh, that was in 2019. Things have changed a lot. You got to do a lot more homework and work a little harder to make sure that you're uh, you're getting it right. See, I'm the kind of guy that it just it drives me crazy to stay in someone <laughs> else's house. So, like, what, when, when I go to family occasions, <laughs> I go back but to they weren't to, there. But they weren't there. See, when you go and they want you to stay in their house, I wouldn't do that. I'm like you. I, you know, I, I don't want to go and stay with Uncle Bob and and the kids and the no. and they got bir- and they got birds. Yeah, know, exactly. And the dog and, and yeah. No, 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 no I'm no, not. No, no. I'm not into all that stuff. But, but but there's nobody in this house. I see. All right. You know, that's it, a it makes lift. it at that point in time. It becomes your house. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always artifacts. I don't know if that's the right term. Uh, personal <laughs> effects, if you will. <laughs> Do not that, that, do that, not start that, talking that are, about the hosts of the program. That 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 leave that have their things there. You know, the person who owned this house w- was a doctor. They okay. were a psychologist, and they had a whole raft of books on psychology and uh, mental illness. And I found it intriguing. I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time reading them, but it was interesting. You get kind of a a little bit of an insight into the person who owns the home. Which kind of makes it uh, a little personal, a little special, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, anyway, that's my story, well, and I'm it, sticking to it. It's kind of like that's well, that's one of the reasons people travel is to meet other people, and find and learn about how they live and uh, what local customs and cultures are and stuff like that. So I guess there would be no better way to do that than to move into someone's home or apartment or whatever for a few days, and and yeah, you're. You're right. That would give you a, a little bit of a feel. I, I hadn't really thought much about that, but that's a, that's a legitimate argument. But I, I'm not. I still. I. It's it to me. It's just that's your home, and I'll just stay in the hotel, and I'll be happy there. Of course. Now the other <laughs> thing is that I have scads of points and stuff like that. So the reality is that unless I'm out on tour, I really don't stay, pay to stay in hotels and the like. I don't stay in fancy places, but I don't have to pay. So that's a little bit of a consideration. Obviously, some people, when they're traveling, if you can stay at Uncle Bob's and it saves you, you know, $600 on the hotel for four nights, that may very well be a consideration. I don't have the $600, but I got the points. So that's 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 just as good. All right. A couple of other things here. Did you know, Tom, that people spend an average of, uh, this is from Expedia, uh, spend an average of 303 minutes. That's five hours for those of you who don't do math well. Um, in the looking up travel content in the 45 days prior to booking a major vacation. So I would say five hours. World, they're not saying that you sit down and spend yeah. five hours at once or three hours one day no. and two hours another. But the time that you spend on different websites and researching things, maybe watching a show on TV that's about the destination you're going to. Absolutely. I'm one of those of, people. Yeah. I five, believe that. The um, resources used leading up to a travel purchase. Online travel agency, 80% people use. Um, a search engine, 61. Social media, 58. Airline site, 54. 
hotel site 36 uh, car rental transit yeah okay anyway that's trivial information at best um beyonce and taylor swift both did major concert tours this summer and we are after all the travel and entertainment guys we haven't inter- had an entertainment interview for a while hey listen speaking of not having an entertainment interview for a while um we are uh going to we have a a big travel name who is going to be in town in early December, and uh, he will be coming on the Travel Guys. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, all right, so Beyonce and Taylor Swift had uh, concert tours this summer. By the numbers, uh, Taylor Swift visited 22 countries, Beyonce 12. Taylor Swift did 146 shows, Beyonce did 56. Um, starting ticket price, this is really interesting. For Taylor Swift, 49 bucks. Beyonce 62. Now that's the starting price, and prices went up dramatically from there. But this is really interesting. Ticket re- average resale price for uh, for Beyonce average resale price of one of her tickets online thousand and sixty two dollars. Average resale price. This is interesting for Taylor Swift because when Tom and I were talking before the show, and I said this, he blurted out four thousand dollars. And dude, you weren't off by very much thirty eight hundred and one dollars. So a Taylor Swift it's amazing. Ticket, Almost four times as much. That meant people were paying. If you went, you know, if you and your husband went, that's seventy five hundred bucks. Anyway, um, a little bit about Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Uh, Taylor Swift had more costume changes and the like. Um, we are moving <laughs> next week to eleven o'clock. Clayton Whitehead is going to join us to talk about international travel. He's just back from a trip to Scotland, has some interesting observations. So he will be our featured guest on our first Saturday show at 11 o'clock next week. In the meantime, thanks for the privilege of your time and dance like nobody's watching. Thank you, my friends. You stay well. Don't forget Saturday, next Saturday, 11 a.m. We'll see you then. In the meantime, have yourself a great week. Bye for now.